Hey, the important questions are these. How can coaches like us, who want to spend more time with our family, not miss our kids growing up, who aren't worried about our own egos, and bust our asses coaching, but don't want to stay up at the coach's office all day and night working on tasks that just don't matter? How do we continue with our passion of coaching football and still have a normal life with our kids while being a hell of a leader for our players and coaches? Those are the questions, and this is the podcast that will give you the answer. My name is Coach Barber, and welcome to Systemizing Your Defense. Hello, football coaches. Welcome to another episode of Systemizing Your Defense. I am your host, Coach Barber, and today we're going to get into combo coverages. Uh, Combo coverages, to me, was a game changer as far as uh, being a football coach, being a defensive football coach. I learned combo coverages uh, my first year in coaching in 1992 when I was at Grand Saline High School, and that made all the difference in the world. It, It catapulted my creativity and my knowledge to a whole different level. Uh, Before I learned combo coverages, all I knew was man and zone. That's all we ran in high school in the mid-80s. It's all anybody ran. Uh, We we had two deep man under, we had man free, and then we had straight man, uh, which is what everybody's calling zero coverage nowadays. Um, And then, of course, we had uh, cover two and cover three, and, and we were dropping to zones. And we'd get our eyes on the quarterback back inside, looking for the ball and looking to break on the ball, make a pick, see if we couldn't um, couldn't make a play. Uh, but anyway, when I learned combo coverages, uh, I, I now got more creative and understood that there were certain things I could do uh, with linebackers if you could combo coverage. And so it was like that third pitch. That, that a Hall of Fame pitcher has. I mean, how many pitchers have you seen that they, they go along and they have two pitches and they have two pitches and they're, they're mediocre and then they, they master that third pitcher or they master that third pitch, excuse me, and then, you know, holy crap, uh, it's a game changer for them. And I felt that way with combo coverages. Uh, back in the early days in Grand Saline, the way we, we did combo coverages – is anytime we were in a two shell, we were reading number two. And we were playing combo with the corner and the free. And and back then, we didn't get the free involved in the run the way we do now. If we were sitting at a pro set, our alignment rules were uh, the safety is between number one and number two, never going outside the hash. And the hashes were a couple yards wider back in those days. So the hash was a good, you know, a good landmark. Uh, nowadays, we use uh, never go more than two yards past the hash uh, for the safeties. We'd, we'd split the difference between one and two. And if two went vertical, then the safety would get over the top of number two. And the corner would, would climb over the top of number one and take number one man to man. And, and that's how we, we first learned it. Uh, and even in, in, in a wing tee where the halfback was on the split side, and we saw a lot of wing tee back then. In fact, we ran the wing tee back then. 
Uh, that halfback was the number two receiver, and we still read him with the safety and the corner. And once again, that safety would would split the difference between that, that number two and number one and read the number two receiver. If the number two receiver went out to the flat, the corner would force and take him, and the safety would be over the top of number one. And if if that halfback came up the seam, then the safety took him, and, and the corner once again climbed over the top of number one. And that's how we learned it um, back in the early days, or at least that's how I learned it back in the early days. Uh, back then, if we got three receivers to a side, we'd roll to cover three because the the threat of four vertical wasn't what it is now. So we'd, we'd go to a three shell against trips, so there was no combo coverage. We were still dropping to zones in cover three with our eyes on the quarterback and playing the old way of cover three. I, I was at, at Grand Saline two years, and I moved on to Crandall, uh, which was right outside of Dallas. And when I got there, they were just dropping to zones. That's what they did. And uh, the defense coordinator, I talked a little bit of ball with him and told him how we did cover two at Grand Saline. And they were running cover two where the corners squat, cover four, uh, the corners are deep. Uh, basically, it was a sky cloud coverage is what it was. And we called it the line of scrimmage. Uh, the safety did cloud the corner would would force and the safety was deep and sky the corner would be deep and the safety would go force and we stayed with that we did that a lot uh, but I did I did show him combo coverage and he liked it and that first year I was there he allowed me to to teach it and that was the first thing he he actually delegated to me was to be able to teach combo coverage in a two shell, uh, they too would roll to trips. They'd roll to cover three in trips as well. And then I guess um, sometime my second, third year, I was only there three years. So it happened pretty quick. He turned the secondary completely over to me and let me do uh, whatever it was I thought I needed to do back there in a secondary course with his approval. Uh, we started looking at some more co uh, combo coverages, or at least I did. I was following John Goodner around there at Texas Tech. He was a defense coordinator at Texas Tech. Watching them, he was considered the godfather of the 425. And watching them uh, on the trip side, they would zone it sometimes, or they would just lock up number one with the corner and then combo two and three and I, I started studying that and I really liked it now I mean it was hell it's combo coverage it's the same thing we're doing except they're doing it with two and three instead of one and two and so I liked that because it gave a different look out of a, a rolled coverage to trips and then I really started playing with some combo coverage and I started listening to some people talk about it you know there were people that were still rolling They'd man number two, uh, combo one and three. I never was crazy about that. I never, other than just looking at it on paper and video, I never really pursued that one. Uh, and then I like the one where we're in a two shell to trips. The corner and the safety to trips are comboing one and two, and then the backside safety's over the top 
of number three. And I like that. Uh, so that was something that we started doing. Uh, but we didn't do a whole lot of two shell to trips. So uh, that was something that I, I put in my memory bank. And we did um, a few years later when I became the defensive coordinator at Langham. And we called that STAR. Uh, if, if you've heard previous podcasts, you've heard me talk about STAR. Uh, but anyway, combo coverage was bringing a whole new, a whole new idea and, and a, whole new, a whole new imagination to defense for me. We really got into the combo coverage there at Crandall. And I know the head football coach, he was, he was a beer guy. So he always thought that you were either man or straight zone. And he, I don't know that he had ever dealt with this combo coverage. Uh, but anyway, we were, we were scrimmaging them. Uh, and we ran the wing bone. And we were pretty damn good at it. He's a hell of a football coach. Don't get me wrong. Uh, He knows his crap. But anyway, we'd run the wing bone, and we were a triple option team. And we would uh, teach our corner on that wing, on that wing side, to read that wing. And if that wing blocked down on that outside backer, back then we called them defensive ends. Uh, We were a 50 uh, nowadays, everything's 3-4, so they're outside backers. Back then, they were defensive ends. But if that that wing blocked down on that defensive end, then that corner was coming off his ass looking for the first thing that showed. Uh, it could be the quarterback on the option. Uh, it could be the guard on the buck sweep, the fullback on the toss sweep. But that corner was looking for the first thing that showed, and that's what he took. If that wing released then that corner would release with that wing. And, and we were having a, a inter-squad game uh, right before we started scrimmages. It's that, it's that Saturday, that Saturday you start pads. I think everybody in America does it, where you have a inter-squad scrimmage where the uh, community comes out. You have a big booster club drive, hamburgers, spaghetti. We've done it all in the past, uh, but it, it's usually a big deal. We were teaching that that corner on that wing. If that wing releases, then you turn and you face him chest to chest, and you take the first one to the outside, and the safety takes the first one over the top. So we'll combo that off. We were a a veer team, and we would block that tight end and that wing down inside and then release them. And we wouldn't block them. They'd just release down inside trying to fake you on the block and then one of them would end up in the flat, and then one of them would end up deep outside on the corner route. And, and they would switch it. I don't know how they called it, but they would switch. Sometimes the wing was deep, tight end was short. Sometimes the wing was short, tight end was deep. But anyway, they run that little series, that little combination on us, and the corner does a hell of a job, and he opens up with the wing, and he runs with the wing, and it's as, as the wing goes out into the flat, the the corner turns and runs with him, and he gets his head around, and the quarterback throws the ball out to the flat, and the, the corner picks it, and he goes he he takes it all the way back to the end zone. Well, the head coach just starts ripping his ass about um, doing his own thing, not being in the flat, you know, all the things that frustrated head coaches do when things don't go right for them on offense. And he's screaming at him, saying, you got the flat. Get your ass in the flat. 
Well, we were comboing it up. We weren't dropping to zones and creating the windows. And I know, I know what he was wanting to do. He's wanting that corner to drop to the flat and then hit that window right there inside that corner. And I know what he was wanting to do because I've seen him do it. Uh, but that corner did a hell of a job taking the windows away and making the play. Later we were talking. The defensive coordinator came up to me and said, keep doing what you're doing. He said, I'll take care of him. And later we were talking and he said, Barber, that corner has the flat. And I said, well, I know he does. And he said, well, then you need to get him to the flat. And I said, well, why are we going to drop to the flat if nobody's running around in the flat? I mean, now we're covering grass. Why do we want to do that? He said, well, that's what his assignment is. That's what his responsibility is. You need to get him there. And that's when the defensive coordinator said, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll take care of him. And so I just kept doing what what I was doing. And I said, well, good. You take the ass chewings. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what your job is. Take the ass chewings from the head coach. And he laughed. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll do. So anyway, anytime you can get the head coach frustrated, that's always a good thing. Um, unless you are the head coach. And then that's not a very good thing. But anyway, we go on and, and we're playing pretty good in the secondary. Uh, we're doing a lot of combo stuff. And I guess we're about game six or seven, and the head coach still doesn't really have a clue what it is we're doing with the combo coverage. Uh, but anyway, we're there on a Saturday morning after a game, and he starts on another rant about cover two and cover four. You know, cover two, the safety, basically the sky cloud I spoke of earlier. We tried to explain to him the combo coverage, and he – he basically told us that that was unsound using a couple F-bombs in there. But uh, anyway, the defense coordinator once again told me, he said, keep doing what you're doing. I'll take care of that. And I said, all right, well, you know, as long as you're taking the ass tunes, I guess I will. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I, I left Crandall to come back down to Houston, the Houston area, and I ended up at Langham Creek and I'd be damned if we weren't doing the same thing. We were calling cover two to squat the corner in the flat, and we were calling cover four for the corners to get deep and the safeties to uh, run the alleys to be the force players. And I tried to show the combo coverage, but nobody, I mean nobody, had anything to do with it. And so I didn't say anything. I just said, well, you know, I'll do my job. I'll keep coaching the hell out of it. I like to win, and I'm looking to move up. Uh, at that time, when I got to Langham, I think I was 30, 29, 30, somewhere around there. So, you know, I'll coach my ass off and hope like hell that it it pays off. And it did. I, I was a defensive coordinator there by, by the age of 32. And we quit calling two and four. And we just combined them. We played combo. And holy crap, if that didn't stir up a hornet's nest with one of the coaches. He was in love with cover two and cover four. It, it was the one thing that eventually had him leave because he just did not grasp the concept, nor did he want to deal with it. Uh, but anyway, we were doing a lot of combo coverage. We were even doing the two-three combo to trips uh, that I talked about. It was starting to take its toll on offenses. I mean, we were jumping routes that we hadn't jumped in a while our safeties were able to play more aggressive 
down on inside routes, knowing the corner was over the top and, and the corner had their back on those inside receivers. And once, once inside receivers were clearing linebackers, we were jumping their ass at the safety. And the corner ended up being the deep player. It all started to fall into place, but but I still hadn't really decided all the combos that I wanted to do. And then I guess about year two or three as a defensive coordinator at Langham, I kind of simplified everything. And and what we settled into was if we had a pro, pro formation, we weren't going to combo one and two, even though we were going to be in a two-shell we were just going to lock that up. The corner could take number one man, and the free could take the tight end man. And what that did was that got the, the safety involved in the run more. And we didn't start comboing until number two took outside leverage on the outside backer. And then we started comboing one and two. And then we, we took it a step further, and once again, this was something that I stole from John Goodner there at Texas Tech, as we started putting the corner in the face of number one when we got multiples, and now we were mixing up man and zone. But when he bailed, we were comboing one and two. And what combo is, uh, before we go any further, what combo is, and it doesn't matter if it's one and two or two and three, um, and it doesn't matter if, if one and two two's in the backfield, or if it's two and three, and three's in the backfield. I'm going to go over all the scenarios about combo coverage. But if we've got one and two out wide, and we're comboing that, we call it mix it. Uh, and we're going to read the number two receiver. We tell our corners, our safeties, and our linebackers that everything is predicated off of number two. And number two can only do four things. He can either go outside, stop up, inside, or deep. And that's it. That's all he can do. We keep it simple when we teach it. And with the corner, when he comes off and he's reading number two, he's over the top. He's climbing over the top of number one, reading number two, and he's got number one until two comes outside. And then he's coming out off number one, and the safety's climbing over the top of number one, and the, and the corner has a number two right now, immediately. It doesn't matter if it's a bubble or if it's an out route. The corner has number two if number two comes to the outside. Now, if number two stops up, then the, the linebacker, the outside linebacker takes number two, and the corner climbs over the top of number one. If number two goes inside, then the inside backer is going to pick him up. And once again, the corner is climbing over the top of number one, and he's got number one man. And if number two goes deep, then the corner is locking on number one. And that is the combo of one and two. The, the, only, the only time that the corner will not, will not lock up on number one if two goes deep is on the smash route. If number one sets in the flat, and number two's deep, we tell the corner to keep sinking because that safety cannot cover the corner route and protect the middle of the field. We'll just let the outside backer get underneath number one. But that's the only time that he doesn't take number one if number two goes deep. 
But anyway, that, that's the combo series on one and two. Well, if we get trips and we roll the secondary down to a cover three look, then you have the corner on number one. And once again, if number two is outside leverage of the outside backer, then that's considered multiples. The corner's up in the face playing bump man. And the strong safeties rolled down outside leverage in number two. And then the free has rolled over and they're playing a 2-3 combo. And they're reading the inside receiver, which now is number three. Same scenario. Number three can only do one of four things. He can run outside, he can stop, he can run inside, or he can run deep. And the strong safety and the free safety are now playing that same combo. And those were the two big combos that we ran. The third one we ran was trips out of a two shell. And that's where uh, the corner and the safety are still comboing one and two, just like they did before. And the backside safety is getting across. If he, if he gets past, he's getting over the middle and he's what we call the three hole player. And the three hole is between the inside backer and the safety, that little window. And that, that backside safety is looking for the first receiver that shows up in that three-hole. And that's who he takes. And then the corner and the free are combo and the other two. Uh, that's what we settled on with combo coverage. And it kind of all came together when we simplified things. Now, the way we comboed it in the backfield was if we got three receivers to a side and number two and three were inside the outside backers. Uh, that could either be a pro I offset. Uh, it could be a slot offset. It could even be two receivers in a tight formation, a double slot, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm not really into terminology. But two and three are inside the outside backer. Then um, we, we automatically combo that and let the corner take number one man. Now, Let's put number three in the backfield with number two at a tight end. We have our safeties rolled. So now our strong safeties roll to an outside position, and our free safety is rolled over to the strong safety side, and we're going to read number three. He's in the backfield. And if number three goes away, then the deep safety is coming down to cut back, and then the Outside backer, the strong safety, is rotating over the top. He's climbing over the top of number two. Now, what that does is, first of all, it gives that high safety a better angle coming down to play the run. Second of all, if you get play action, now you have that number two receiver that's usually going to run a drag on a, on a play action away. Now you have him bracketed by both safeties. And he's usually the intended receiver. And so that was that was the ability that 2-3 combo gave us. It put our guys in a better position just by rotation. Uh, and then, of course, if we had number two in the backfield and number one was a tight end, now we're looking at a cloud situation with the corner and the free. And we did the same exact thing. We read that fullback. And if that fullback went away, then the safety was down. The corner was climbing over the top of that tight end. 
And if it was play action, now we had them bracketed. Uh, now, if in both scenarios, rather it's the safeties rolled down on the 2-3 combo or the corner squeezed in on the nub on a 1-2 combo, if the fullback came to them, the one that was lined up in that outside backer position, rather it was a safety or the corner, he was now the force guy and the safety was over the top. And so that was how we comboed that combination with the fullback and the tight end. Or it could be a fullback and a slot. It's, it's the fullback and whoever's attached to the box. Uh, but anyway, that's how we did that. The combo coverages helped us hide coverages as well because we could line up the same way and still play straight zone. We could also line up that same way and play straight man. And that's what things started to evolve to for us. We were wanting everything to look the same and that's where the alignment rules uh, in Pillar 1 came from. Make everything look the same and then play three different things. Play a man, a zone, and a combo. And it was that combo that became the difference maker. It, it, it became that change up. We always had man and zone, but now combo, another thing that combo did is it freed up the linebackers. It freed up the linebackers so that now on play action pass, we don't have to ask them to drop because we're already comboing everything up. So now they get play action pass. One of them can take uh, the back that we're, we're faking to and the others can go get the quarterback and put pressure on. And what we saw was we weren't seeing a whole lot of play action pass anymore. So we were taking that completely out of the game. If you have questions on combo coverages, please don't hesitate to email me at coachbarber at systematicfootball.com. Uh, also, we have finally launched our website. It's, it's been uh, a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, what made it hard work is I'm not a technology guy, and I was learning it on the run. Uh, so there were a lot of technical difficulties, but we got that thing up and running. Go check us out at systematicfootball.com. There is a ton of information on there about our shade front cover five. I will be adding things to that in the future, and we're going to grow that thing for y'all. Uh, but anyway, uh, until next week, go systemize your defense. <laughs>